I want to start today on the, um, the last word of my title, inspiring, controversial, subjective. I'd like to talk about some real life subjectivity that I have experienced in each, I, each time something like this happens, we learn from it. About 10 years ago, we were gifted with this beautiful Bruce White sculpture um, called Redbird by the Cottaman Estate. Uh, George and Norma Cottaman were great art collectors. And um, after they both passed, we were given this gift of sculpture. So at the time, I believe I was on the aesthetics committee and Michael Brown um, called me in and said, we'd like to see what your recommendations are for um, placing the sculpture on our property. Um, so I looked around the property and my very first choice would have been to place the sculpture in between the two small groves of trees that are to the left of the driveway when you exit. There's just a natural open space there and then there are these trees on either side and I thought this would showcase the sculpture. It would be seen from the street and I really thought that that was the artistic place to put it. Well, Michael went back to the board and the administration people at the time and they didn't like that. One response that, uh, that he shared with me was it, it's too close to the street, someone might steal it. And somebody else said, well, let's put it back on the trail in the, in the grove. And my reaction was, bless their heart, whoever said let's put it on the trail in the grove didn't like the sculpture, they wanted it hidden. I personally like this sculpture much better than some of Bruce White's sculptures which grace the streets in Peoria Heights. And again, that's my subjective taste. So Michael called me back and said, you know, what other places could we put this sculpture? And he and I walked around the property and one of the places I would have liked it was the outside wall behind us. There are two round, I believe, lights or something and it just seemed like a natural place to put it. Well, that wasn't acceptable either. Finally, as we examined the outside of, of the property, there's the plain brick wall and there's nothing around it and so we decided, okay, that was like my fourth choice. We'll put it in that spot. And now we do have some wildflowers and things growing around the base of it, but it needs to be kind of nestled in something. And one of the things that I thought about when this was going on was the fact that some people think of sculpture as being um, a, a bronze, figure, you know, maybe he was a, a soldier, maybe he was a, a general, whatever. Our church is much more progressive. I believe we look to the future. And a piece of modern sculpture such as the red bird, to me, shows that it is more of the future and not of the past, not of the Civil War. And neither is the style of our building appropriate for a Civil War type monument. 
So that's how the redbird was placed where it is. The other area of subjectivity near and dear to my heart is how local art shows are being judged. Um, about six or seven years ago, a friend and I went over to the Galesburg Civic Arts Center to view their members and friends show. And as I went through and I looked at what the judges had, the judge had selected, I kept thinking, how did they select this piece and not that piece? That piece to me has so much more color, design, et cetera, et cetera. We talked with Tuesday Seton, who is the director of the, the Galesburg um, Civic Center Art Guild. And she went through the show with us and I made my observations to her as to why I thought the piece that the judge had selected was okay, but it really wasn't as strong in that category as such, such and such other. So almost a year later, she contacted me and said, will you be the judge for our upcoming Members and Friends show? And I said, I'd be delighted to. So I did go there, I did judge the show, and on the evening of giving out the awards, I was able to make a few comments as to why I selected that particular piece of art in that particular category. And I had the sense that people did appreciate the reflection I gave them. The following year, I was asked to judge the Buchanan Center of the Arts in Knoxville show, and I did the same there. And I had people come up to me afterwards and thank me for what I had commented on about the positivity of the pieces in their categories that I had selected. Here in Peoria, I have sometimes looked at shows and it's clear that the judge's background completely colors what they select. If the judge has a background in sculpture, chances are high that any 3D or sculptural pieces in the show will become more special to them and could get an award. If their background is in photography, you know that they're looking at things from a, a background of photography. Um, there was a contemporary art center show at Sheridan in Maine a couple of years ago and, and someone from Bradley, I don't even remember their name, came and judged the show ahead of time, didn't come when the show opened up and didn't make any comments, which is a nice, helpful thing for judges to do after they have selected pieces as winners. I went through that show and was extremely disappointed. I did not expect an award, and I wasn't looking for an award, but I saw people's work in that show that was completely overlooked. And I had the sense that the person who did the judging came from Bradley and was very biased toward Bradley graduates in the show. And that disappoints me. Um, my Gershwin may be your hip hop. We all have different loves and hates regarding any of the arts. And today when I use the term the arts, I'm not only talking about 2D art, I'm talking about including in your thoughts music, pottery, photography, dance. The arts cover so much in our lives. Um, 
I want to share a few quotes that I find important. The first one is anonymous. I'm not sure who wrote this. Why art? Because you will never have to change batteries or remember passwords or read directions or fear obsolescence. Now, this isn't completely true because the read directions part, there is much to learn on techniques, et cetera, when it comes to studying, whether it's music, art, whichever discipline you pick. And then a man named Trevor Paglin said, ultimately, art is trying to see things that other people don't see. And may I add, hear, as it applies to music. And Picasso said, good artists copy, great artists steal. <laughs> to steal like a good artist steals, you have to rework the idea and make it your own. Some of you may remember Mary Angerbright, who was a St. Louis artist who gained much success, fame, money, by tracing the art from the childhood books which each of us shared. Illustrators such as Fern Bissell Pete, Mary traced these pictures, added her own touches like gingham, cherries, teapots, and was quite a sensation, reprinted on calendars, tea towels, greeting cards, and made her a million dollars. I, on the other hand, raised during the same time as she, drew from my imagination. And behind me, if you come up after the service to look more closely at the pieces that I brought, I have two tablets there that I did when I was eight years old. And you can see how I was drawing when I was eight. The pencil is faded somewhat, but the gist of it is all still clear. Anyway, I drew from my imagination. Trace? No, I thought that was cheating. So today I still value originality, and I don't make reproductions of my art. Each piece is one of a kind. I identify with this statement from Georgia O'Keeffe, who said, I found I could say things with color and shapes that I couldn't say with any other way that I had no words for. So this is what I refer to as intuitive art. These wise words seem to refer more to the importance of 2D art, but as I said before, this includes arts, music, dance, poetry, acting, as well as sculpture, painting, and drawing. Today, more than ever, I believe we need the arts. We need to find our individual abilities of expression to lift our spirits, to not be swept away in the harsh, depressing news which we face daily. Personally, I need humor, comedians, cartoons, and other arts which lift me and give me sanctuary. I began my art journey when I was five and inspired by my parents, four daughters of my parents' best friends who made art. My first drawings were square heads and protruding noses from the side and sticks for arms and legs. Gradually, my daily drawing habit developed into more recognizable human forms. My mom took me to the movies, lavish movie musicals of the time, which thrilled and excited my young mind. When I'd come home, I'd sit and draw ladies in their gaudy, sequined, and feathered costumes, smoking their glamorous cigarettes. Oh, yes, everybody smoked in those days. But I was hooked. I filled cheap lined tablets using only lead pencil with pictures from my imagination. 
I drew pictures through grade and high school and caricatures in the high school newspaper. And I filled notebooks with dress designs, now using crayons for color. At 18, I was hired as an art apprentice at a large Chicago ad agency where I further honed my skills, drawing people and merchandise for newspaper ads. In my 20s, I was hired at Smith & Welton Department Store in Norfolk, Virginia, designing page layouts and drawing everything from bras to watches to furniture from India. So art has been and is the focus of my entire life. Personally, I tend to collect art to display in my home. And the other day I counted just the pieces I had on the first floor and I stopped at 62. And that doesn't include art I have hanging upstairs. Um, some people who have come to visit me say, is this your art? And I say, no, my art is at my art studio. And here there are people doing art different than mine that I greatly admire. So when I have an opportunity, I've purchased a piece of their art. And I'm just happy every day looking at it. I never get tired of it. Art is completely subjective. Each of us sees or hears art in a different way. We react, <clears throat> react positively or negatively to these experiences. Often people have said to me, I can't draw a straight line. And my response is always, neither can I. So I use a ruler. And I need a sip of water. Making art takes imagination, desire, curiosity, fearlessness, and patience. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. No matter which area you want to experiment with, now is the time to explore it. Is it drawing, printing, photography, quilting, making music, writing poems? Saying you are too busy is a lame excuse. Make time, 15 minutes here, an hour there, there's an easy way to begin, and you don't need much space, more space than a shoebox of supplies. And that's called artist trading cards. They're small, two and a half inch by three inch cards on which you are free to paint, collage, stamp, decorate in any way that appeals to you. These cards don't take much time, and they're a fun way to start being creative. They're traded and exchanged online. I have some on display here behind me, which you can look at after the service. One of my favorite sayings is, be careful how you use your time because today you are giving up one day of your life for it. Be careful how you use your time. You are giving up one day of your life for it. By exploring your own creativity, by trying things you've never tried and were afraid to try, you will grow. In second grade, one day the teacher asked us, who knows how to braid? Few hands shot up, and I raised mine too. I knew what a braid was, but I had no idea how to make it happen. She paired us up in front of the classroom and one held the three tight ends of crepe paper together while the other held the loose ends. I was at the loose end end. They began over and under motions, which I watched and quickly too, I was braiding. It appeared that I really did know, but in truth, I learned on the spot. I've collected dozens of books on art techniques, artists, and creativity, and I refer to them often. I learn and relearn and try new things. It does expand my mind. 
It does give me a respite from the darker news of the day. You can use a Google search to look up all kinds of how-tos to get you to try something new. Explore Pinterest, YouTube, and Google any topic you're interested in. There'll be someone who's made a video demonstrating their craft and their techniques. Some are easier to watch than others. If the personality turns you off or the voice, <clears throat> change to someone else. There is a magazine called Somerset Studio, which I've been buying since 1998. It's a magazine featuring artists making mixed media pieces, collages, drawings, calligraphy, and more. It's full of ideas and inspiration to get your imagination flowing. Another one is called Art Journals. I do teach these in classes at my studio, and there's nothing like having a hands-on, one-on-one, in addition from what we can see in videos or in a magazine. If you have children who show a talent and interest in art, go with them on the journey. Let them tell you what their picture means and never discourage their efforts. Museums are filled with green skies, purple people, and red cows. Maybe you hate simplistic modern art. Maybe your taste is stuck with Andrew Wyeth or Thomas Kincaid. <clears throat> I learned something about Thomas Kincaid on 60 Minutes a few years back. Most of his reproductions, which sell for a couple thousand dollars, are that, just a reproduction, a gicle printed on canvas repro. Then he takes a paintbrush and adds a stroke of color here or there, and they justify the large price and the unknowing public believes they have a real Kincaid painting. It's a scam. There's all manner, manner of chicanery that occurs in the upper echelons of the larger art world. In the major galleries where periodically we learn that some unique painting from usually a dead artist, occasionally a live one, has sold to a new owner for millions of dollars. This is a game played by the oligarchs with more money than sense. It's a game of mine is bigger than yours. They buy, sell, and swap in order to solve their egos, which when they get bored with their 20-room cottage in the Hamptons or have exchanged their old wife for a newer model. So we sometimes see some piece of art that perhaps doesn't make a great deal of sense in our aesthetic, but it's been exchanged between two wealthy people who now have bragging rights. You owe it to yourself to look at various art forms. We need to train our eyes to really see, not just glance and think we have seen. What are the aspects of a piece of art that really grab your imagination? Is it the color? Is the color exciting? Do you see things in the picture that increases your creativity, your joy? What emotions do you feel when you view the piece? The art scene here in Peoria has exploded since I first had a studio outside my residence in the mid 80s. My first studio was a loft above an insurance man's office in the Cohen Development Building on Washington Street. At that time, after working at Multiad as an art director, I taught figure drawing in the old art guild on Knoxville evenings. I learned sculpture from Preston Jackson. I love the modeling of the oil-based clay. I could do that modeling for hours, but the cleanup needed after a bronze was cast was not my cup of tea. I'm not good at using power tools and they're necessary to cut off and file the sprues from the bronze castings. The sprues allow the casting to totally fill with bronze. So after three bronze sculptures, I moved back to drawing and teaching and eventually to collage and mixed media, 3D boxes and dolls. 
There are enormously talented artists in this region, some of whom you may have heard of. Others are lesser known. Printmaker extraordinary, Kathy Crawford. Painter and sculptor Connie Andrews. Sculptor Pat Keck, Roy Rogers, Billy Howd, Jackie Willis, Jean Mylakowski. Painters Mary Hildebrand, Julie Purdom, Suzette Boulay, Jack Ryan. And in this church, too, Pat and L.A. Cofield, Bert and Lisa Robbie, Terry Malone, Sandy Miskimmon, Jean again, Mitzi Nietzsche, Maggie Martino, Cinda Thompson, Dave Grebner, Nancy Taylor, Carol Manny, and myself. Forgive me if I've left anyone out. Right now, there's a, I had rewritten this three times, and there may be people that are artists in the church that I don't know about, so forgive me if I've left you out. Right now, there's a plein air show at Exhibit A, Gallery on Prospect. Local artists who paint outdoors have been painting around town and showing the work at this gallery. They will also take commissions if you like their style and desire to have your home painted. That's fairly unique. There are several local venues to see every art form. Here are just a few. Gallery, Exhibit A Gallery in the Heights, the Peoria Art Guild, Riverfront Museum, the First United Methodist Church downtown, the Peoria Public Library, Peoria Heights Library, and my studio, Atelier 5835, and the Contemporary Arts Center. Bradley University also displays a variety of artists. The musicians in the area are exceptional. The Peoria Symphony, the orchestra at Five Points in Washington, and those that entertain at Contemporary Arts Center. Local churches feature everything from classical to jazz, blues, and country. When I first moved here in 1980 and became acquainted with some UUs, they invited us to join them on Fridays to hear jazz at the Pizza Works. I was wowed by the virtuosity of these musicians. Some of them have toured nationally with other famous musical groups, the way, <clears throat> but along the way, they preferred a quieter life here in central Illinois to one on the road, and we are much richer for it. All art and music is very subjective. There is something to soften and inspire the hardest heart. I encourage you to explore these places if you haven't already done so. The last thing I want to mention is the AI that's come into our lives. When the originators of this new technology have appeared before Congress, warning us that it must have regulations placed on it, you know you we've entered a new and dangerous phase. I just saw a cartoon online that pictures a robotic head with red eyes reading a newspaper, and the message the bot is reading says, quote, <clears throat> You are focusing too much on the dangers of artificial intelligence and not enough on those of natural stupidity. <laughs> Unfortunately, we seem to see an epidemic of this across the country. We need the arts, including comedy, to counteract that negativity. Personally, I don't like the idea of an algorithm taking and copying artists' works and turning them into something without art, and then it's being called art. We have copyright laws for good reasons but I'll go into more depth on this topic at a later time. There's a TED talk by Ken Robinson who tells a story about a little girl who doesn't seem to concentrate well in school. So she's placed into drawing class. She focuses and she begins to draw with full attention. Soon the teacher walks up and asks her, what are you drawing? And the girl replies, God. 
The teacher says, no one knows what God looks like. And the girl says, they will in a few minutes. <laughs> Be careful what you do today because you're trading one precious day of your life for it. Thank <laughs> you.